This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 46. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast. I am back, although for you guys, I was never gone. But in reality, I haven't been recording for exactly a month. I took off to New York, Orlando, Bogota, Colombia, and the lovely, weird city of Portland, Oregon. Hello to any of you who might be listening from those places. Have had a great time there but I'm obviously excited to get back to podcasting. I've met up with a couple of other podcasters and, and people who would be interesting guests and will come on in the future. So I'm excited about that. And really, I mean, it's not like I need motivation for this because I'm loving it. But going to conference where, you know, the people that I've interviewed, like Ryan Nemec and Michelle McQuaid and Lee Waters and all these good people and, you know, seeing them in person shaking their hand, stuffing chocolate in their face. It was just awesome. And I I thought I, I have so much to thank. You know, I mean, this podcast is a, it's a labor of love, but also it's just a lot of fun and a great, a great way to connect with people all over the world. All right. So today we're going to think about the relationship between the individual and groups and society. We will take a closer look at individualism and collectivism, and this is based on a chapter I read in the Positive Psychology text by um, Snyder, Lopez, and Pedrotti. This podcast is arguably focused on the individual. I can't really argue with that. Um, I guess I'm, you know, very Western in terms of that, although I have family, lots of family actually in India. But yeah, we are brought up to think about people. We're brought up to think about how we can change our own life, how we can shape our own destiny. I always talk about what you can do and what I can do and what we can understand and how we can become more aware. This is actually the case with this episode, too. I don't want to say that, oh, this is going to be a whole lot different. However, I hope that by thinking about your personal kind of individualism, you gain some insights into which areas you're happy about and which cases becoming more of a group-focused or society-focused person or even becoming more individualistic in some cases might benefit you. So... If someone has an individualistic focus, they are interested in being unique and compared to others. If you are a collectivist, on the other hand, you emphasize your connections with others. Now, in individualism, there is this idea that bright ideas and dedicated work lead to success. People high in individualism want to create their success with their own hands. The concern of a group or a society as a whole is often less important than individual success. And instead, individualists prize independence. One second. I'm so hot right now. It's, it's over 30 or in a weird Fahrenheit degree, degrees 90. So one second. Okay, I'm back, and I have to say I'm very grateful that I'm not doing TV, because otherwise this would not be acceptable. But this is a podcast, so I can do whatever the hell I want. All right, so we're talking about um, 
individualism and collectivism. So a culture is individualistic when the importance of the individual is higher than group concerns. Therefore, in this society, the average Joe would care more about independence than dependence. So that's the criteria, just in case some of you are wondering, well, how do you define a collectivistic society or how do you define an individualistic society? That's basically just you know, thinking about the mate, the average person on the street you're going to meet and whether they are more focused on their own concerns or what the group thinks of them. There are other factors which I want to discuss with you to think about individualism versus collectivism. And um, there I'll list them to you. So there's basically independence from other people versus dependence on other people. This idea whether you prize uniqueness or you prize conformity. And in individualistic countries, people have a higher need for uniqueness. However, they do conform to the group, but only if it helps them. So this is important. It's not like, oh, if you're an individualistic society, no one conforms. That's absolutely not true. However, people only conform if they think it's, it's beneficial for them in the long term. Whereas in collectivistic societies, people do conform even if they know exactly that it sucks, basically. The individual unit of analysis is a person in individualistic societies, whereas the unit of analysis, so when people and politicians and all these people think about it in a collectivistic society, is a group. So, for example, if you're thinking about something like the presidential elections, um, in the U.S., what happens is now we're, that's starting off again, everybody's starting with the race, Republicans, Democrats, and they will talk to you as an individual voter. And maybe they'll talk about we as the American people, but more often than not, they'll probably address single people. If they're not doing that, that's just for the campaign. But after the campaign, it's over. It's definitely about focusing on one person. However, in other societies, it's really about focusing on the family. They talk way more about the family and other groups than, than in individualistic societies. Someone who is an individualist has a lot of goals for themselves. Whereas, unsurprisingly, if you live in a co collectivistic society, you think about the goals for the group. Whatever is gained is usually gained for the self in individualistic societies, whereas whatever is gained in collectivistic societies is more for the group or the family. Satisfaction comes from being happy with yourself in an individualistic society. Whereas sa satisfaction comes from living in harmony with others in a more collectivist place. In a collectivistic context, people prefer to go along with the group consensus, even if they personally don't get anything out of it. It's just how they roll. Personal gains are prized more versus mutual generosity. The cost Benefits analysis determines whether relationship hap relationships happen in individualistic society. So people think very carefully who they associate with, whereas there is this other idea of basically just unconditional relatedness, regardless of how helpful it might be in the future. Individualists can be a little bit more spontaneous. Why? Because they're mostly thinking about themselves. So... If you just have to think about yourself, you can make very spontaneous and fast decisions, 
Whereas if you are constantly thinking about others, it's really about you have to first go through all your duties. So if somebody says, hey, it's a beautiful day out, let's go and jump in the river and afterwards just have an ice cream. Well, if you're by yourself, you can be like, heck yeah, that's totally happening after this podcast. Whereas if you have a lot of duties, you're like, yeah, no, I have to, you know, go and visit my sick grandmother and clean up her house, something like that. So that's that's how it differs. There is a lot of short-term thinking going on in individualistic societies, whereas there is more long-term thinking in more group-focused places. What's also an indicator is how formal interactions are. So a lot of people in the West tend to be very informal, specifically and a lot in the U.S., Whereas in other countries, there are these formal codes about, you know, if if someone is older, you address them, you bow to them, you do all kinds of things out of formality. Now, this is very black and white, and some scientists have pointed out that it's not that simple. We all have a need to belong, for example, even if we grew up in an individualistic country. So... Nobody always reacts in a purely individualistic or collectivist manner. People in individualistic countries vary on how they employ their individualism. So in the US, people from the Deep South might have a very different view on individualism than people from the Northeast or the Midwest. Man, it just got so hot in here that I literally had to stop recording and jump into the river next to my home which i'm extremely privileged to have so yeah i just took out a little 20 minute break from recording jumped into the river oh man it was beautiful it was refreshing everybody's happy out there and now i hope i will not get too hot again to record and can do the rest in one piece all right so It was also found that most Americans score high on individualism, but not low on collectivism. These things can and do coexist. Instead of asking yourself, am I an individualist or am I a collectivist? It's way more interesting to think about when you behave in one way or the other. Also, what kind of activities do you prefer to do alone? And for which ones do you prefer to have people around? I will talk through some of these points from my perspective so you can understand what I mean. I was raised to be super independent, and even from kindergarten throughout most classes I had teachers always remarked on how I was the most independent child in the classroom. I still value independence a lot as an adult, but in the last few years I have learned that sometimes, although I might not need someone to do something for me, if I never rely on people... It can make close relationships feel a little bit unbalanced. So now, although my reflex reaction is to go for independence, I consciously remind myself whether that's a situation where I should let someone support or help me out in some way, even if, strictly speaking, I don't really need them to do that. Something that I just discovered recently was also with the conferences. So I went to two conferences, one with a lot of my friends from class. It was a joyous reunion and one where I didn't know a soul. And I just learned that, well, duh, conferences, I really prefer them when I go with my friends. However, there's other stuff I prefer to do alone. So for example, that's photography. I 
I sometimes went on photo walks and some um, stuff like that, but I have to say that now I prefer to just do the pictures myself. And also, I don't know, I think I feel like either not competitive, but I but I, it's more easy to compare yourself when other photographers are around and you kind of feel like, oh, you have to deliver right now and it just stresses me out. So it's important for you to think about what things you prefer to do alone and when you like company around. People enjoy feeling similar to other people a lot, but only to a certain extent. So if they feel like walking clones of everyone around them, people will want to enhance their feeling of uniqueness by behaving in ways that distinguish them from others. If people are happy with how similar they feel, they won't do anything. However, this is not always only the decision of a single person. If we deviate from what is expected, people punish us through disapproval and rejection. So there is actually cost involved of this. So this is not only, this is not happening in some kind of vacuum. We are all making, we are all making these decisions and they have consequences. In terms of uniqueness, according to the scale I took, I have a high need for uniqueness. However, this doesn't necessarily transfer into all areas of life. And that's probably true for you as well. I don't need to figure out unique ways to brush my teeth, for example. But if discussions get one-sided, I like to offer other perspectives. People can show their uniqueness in different ways. One very popular way is by buying stuff like clothes and cars or special vacations. Another is through attitudes, success, or displaying different behaviors. Turns out that more people think it's important to have distinctive perspectives the more they believe their own perspective is unique. So maybe I didn't say that clearly. If you think that it's important to have a unique perspective, chances are you believe your perspective is unique, which is often actually not true. This is called pluralistic ignorance, just in case you want to, you know, throw around some psychological um, jargon at the next party. I think the need for uniqueness is not as straightforward as it sounds. Do we need to be unique because we love the attention? Or is uniqueness the consequence of our society maybe not valuing the same things that we do? And sure, in small doses, I personally like the attention that uniqueness brings, but sometimes I would gladly trade in the opportunity to be unique and instead have more people around me who are interested and value the things that I like, which apparently make me unique. So sometimes I would prefer more people to value these things, but then in, if they would, I would obviously not be unique anymore, but that would be totally fine. So individualism versus collectivism is not necessarily about being selfish versus being altruistic. For example, in collectivistic societies, people manage their emotions much more than in individualistic societies. However, from a health perspective, suppressing our feelings is physically harmful. So maybe in some circumstances, the most altruistic thing you can do is to stop expecting everyone around you to suppress their feelings, not to upset you. And this is obviously true if you're living in a collectivist culture. Similarly, if you're very centered on your own goals, the question is whether a little bit of other focus would bring some balance and perhaps increased fulfillment into your life and again this matter is not straightforward for example when i'm recording this podcast right now 
I tell everybody to keep out. I'm being a little bit antisocial. However, in the long term, I believe that it benefits other people. And I've been told, luckily, by readers, uh, listeners, sorry, not readers, um, by listeners that it does. So these things are not always as straightforward as they sound. My goal was for you to think about how you relate to these concepts, what your goals are, which ones of them are selfish and not, or individualistic or not. And again, selfishness and individualism is not necessarily the same thing, just as collectivism is not necessarily a selfless way of existing. So I hope you find this useful and talk to you in a couple of days. Bye, bye, bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>